Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Robert Wagner, who is Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Utah State University. Robert and podcast host Amado Walia discuss the importance of fostering continuous improvement and interdepartmental collaboration while focusing intently on crafting a comprehensive definition for student centricity. Robert Wagner, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, it's great uh, being here, especially at the start of 2024 and looking ahead to a uh, to an uh, exciting year. So, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, hey, it's you know you've just referenced we're we're right at uh, the right at the start of 2024. This is actually the the first podcast that we're recording in 2024, and it, it's a real pleasure to get to connect with you because you know. You've worked with us on on so many uh, so many interesting pieces of, over the past probably five or seven years, talking about a, a range of, of subjects around the administration and management of forward thinking institutions. But in every single one of those pieces, the common thread is a, a real focus on student centricity. It's it's a real orientation to to the learner to ensuring the institution and the learner are aligned. So let me let me start off just by level setting a little bit. What does student centricity mean to you? I feel like it's one of those terms that you know we throw around a lot, but I'm yeah. not really sure how many folks have a clear definition. You know, that's a great question and it is true. It's it's something that we in higher ed use we uh, use that term a lot. Oftentimes it's in uh, it's in the context of bragging about all the great uh, things that we uh, do. <laughs> Frankly, we uh, should be bragging if we're focused and if we're being student centric. What does that mean to me, and what does that mean to us here at Utah State? Well, first and foremost, what is meant is that we meet students where they are at. Here at Utah State University, we're a land-grant institution, which means we have a mission of access across the great state of, of Utah with multiple campuses with different diverse populations. We can't sit back as an institution and expect and hope that uh, the students will come to us the way that we want them to be, that they will come to us with simply a list of things that they've done in their public education experience, or if they're non-traditional students that they come. We can't expect that. If we're going to be about access, and if we're going to be about providing a high quality educational experience, then then student centricity really means meeting the student where they're at, accepting them for who they are, for what they're bringing with them, that academic skill set that they are bringing, uh, the social skill uh, set, all that makes them who they are, they're bringing that with them. We're accepting that. Now, we might be doing things to help and assist and address different parts, but we're accepting that and we're welcoming that. That's what I believe student centricity means is really accepting the students for who they are and then starting at that point and saying, okay, that's our starting point. Now we're going to move forward as a higher education institution and student, we're going to help you from your point where your starting point is, we're going to help you to achieve whatever higher education goal you've set for uh, yourself, whether it's a degree, certificate, whether it's retraining, traditional student, a non-traditional student, we're going to help you get to wherever, wherever you are, but we're going to start at where you're starting. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because we're in an industry that's, you know, it, it's really oriented to to its traditions. It's really oriented to its status quo. And I think over the past five to 10 years, we've seen a, a real momentum shift in how institutions are prioritizing the student experience. I am curious, why do you think so many universities, especially, are trying to find ways to bring student centricity into the core of their operations when, you know, historically that hasn't really been part of the educational milieu? Sure. Well, I think that there are a couple things that are going on. Some are of our own making in higher ed, and some is just based on society and where we are at. But uh, we all know it's being talked about a lot right now. As higher education, we are sometimes kind of on our back heels. There's a lot of questions being raised about the value of education, of a degree, the investment that students need to make for themselves in higher ed. It's, it's kind of put us on our back heels and caused us to be in a little bit of defensive mode. With that, though, what that has done, I believe it's made us as in as institutions really question who we are, what we're about, and how we do what we do. In that process of answering those questions, I think that has led many institutions like Utah State to say, you know what? we really do need to be focused about the, the uh, students. Yes, we're a research institution. Yes, there are many dimensions and many parts that make up our institution, but fundamentally at its core, we are a teaching and instruction institution. We are here for students. So we need to start addressing that and we need to start thinking about uh, that. So I think again, society, the questions that they're asking about higher education has really compelled a lot of institutions to move in that direction uh, rather than just looking away and ignoring and say, we're gonna continue doing things the way that we do things. No, we're going to address the questions, the challenges that are here. And one way that we're going to do that is, is with the student-centric model. I think the other reason why student-centricity is playing such, such an important role in higher ed is the demographic change of our students. We are seeing a much more diverse population of students coming to us, not only in terms of ethnicity, but in terms of student type, whether it's a traditional 18-year-old student or a non-traditional 35-year-old student, uh, whether it's a student of color, a, a, a student from an underrepresented population, we are seeing an increase of diversity. With that, comes the challenge and a real need for a higher education to say, okay, maybe the one size doesn't fit all. Yeah. Maybe we need to be looking at this differently and doing it differently because of the types of students that are coming to us are changing. The only way to do that is with a student-centric model, is looking at the types of students that you are serving and saying, okay, we need to adjust, we need to change. So I think those two things have, have, have really brought high uh, brought higher education institutions into uh, uh, this idea into the circle of student centricity and saying, okay, we need to be about students. Absolutely. And I mean, it does set up a really successful long-term vision for for what the higher education industry can look like because that we're we're starting to pivot from 
a space where I think, you know, we really saw students as being fortunate to be at the institution to a space where the student and the institution are, are, are almost behaving as partners. Now, in terms of operationalizing that vision, it, it's not flicking a switch. Now, obviously, Utah State has a very robust partnership with Modern Campus across a number of different facets to, to bring some of this student centricity to life. But I'm curious, you know, how, how have you and the team at USU worked to really create and operationalize that culture of student centricity? How do you go from, you know, concept to reality? Oh, it's a great question. It's something that we've worked very hard at here at Utah State. Uh, it's something that I can say we've not perfected, of course, but we're making an effort. And I, I think we've seen great progress with a lot of talented individuals here, a lot of professionals who believe in this idea of, uh, uh, of a student-centric model and have been working very hard. Here at Utah State University, really where this started and where the idea of a student-centric model came from was really looking at the student life cycle, mm. really stepping back and saying, okay, let's look at the journey of a student from the point, that first point of recruiting you, you know, if they're a traditional student, that the first point of their sophomore or junior year of high school, where we're starting to recruit them, we're starting to reach out, we're starting to let them know about our institution, clear through to the point where they apply, they're admitted, they um, register for classes, there's orientation, uh, they start classes, then it's the mode of student success, it's uh, it's student persistence. It's what are we doing to retain them? And then it's what are we doing so that they can complete, so that they can move on, so that they can become, so that they can become institutional alumni. Now, at, at, at a traditional institution, you take that student life cycle and it is usually carved up into many pieces. And it can be siloed between divisions, between offices. You're in charge of this part. This division does this. This office does that. This department does, does that. Well, you know, that's an okay model. And, and they're great professionals that focus on their part. The challenge with that, though, is if there's not good communication yeah. between all those parts, if they aren't working together, it makes it really, really hard for the student. Because all they feel like through their student life experience at your institution is this that they're just being passed around. They're, they're just being passed on, that they're getting hit with different communications and different support and different help. So at Utah State University, what 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 it meant for us to implement a student-centric model was to take those silos away, move those silos out, and bring a large portion of that student life cycle in under the same roof. So doing things like what we call a student achievement collaborative, which is bringing different units together to solve really challenging problems for our students that are part of that student life cycle. A lot of it oftentimes is just getting these great professionals in the same room together 
and talking about the student experience and talking about the role that they play. Okay, well, what about the role that you play? What about the communication that you do? What about your communication? How can what you do assist us? How can student involvement be part of the more part of the academic experience? How can the academic experience take into account student mental health and well being. It's really bringing the units together in the same room and talking about sort of the whole student life cycle, the whole student experience. And it's been amazing what happens. Uh, we, 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 we find efficiencies. We find things that, that of our own making, we've actually caused students a lot of challenges. We've actually created roadblocks and speed bumps for our students because we haven't been communicating with each other. We haven't been talking organizationally within an institution. And, and, and although our intentions have been great, because we there hasn't been that communication working together and that thought and that view of the student life cycle perspective, um, we've created those speed bumps, those inadvertent speed uh, bumps and walls for our students. So that's what we focused on here at Utah State University. Let's get people in the same room. Let's get them in the room with the whiteboard. Let's talk about the life cycle. Let's talk about process. Let's talk about procedure. Let's talk about the different dimensions of the life cycle itself. Let's bring all that together. Let's find out where those roadblocks are. Let's find out where those walls are. Let's find out where our students are struggling. And then what can we do to work together to help them? You know, that's such an interesting point, because I think, you know, we really do, from when we think about it from the institutional side, we give ourselves a lot of leeway. You know, we say, well, there are totally different offices and, you know, they use totally different systems and it makes sense that that wouldn't necessarily, the data won't necessarily flow or that the information won't be there. But from the student's perspective, they're a student of Utah State University. They go to Compass Point University. Like they, to their mind, that's their interaction. And, and I think for the most part, the, learn, the learner doesn't necessarily have the same grace uh, because they're used to dealing with an Amazon. They're used to dealing with, you know, these, these mega corporations where the seamless flow of data, where personalization is just a standard. Uh, so it's really, really interesting how from a strategic level, you guys have in instituted this cohesive approach to student lifecycle. What did it look like in, in its execution once you got from the whiteboarding process? How did you ensure that the, the model that was being designed on that whiteboard actually became a reality? What were some of those steps and what, what did that process look like? Sure. Well, I can definitely say that it's an ongoing process. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we just can never say, okay, good, we are there, yeah. right? Let's move on to some the thing else. This is an ongoing process. That is the nature of higher ed. Uh, there's a lot of turnover, a lot of staff, a lot of professionals, a lot of faculty that come in and out. So I would say first and foremost, you have to be committed to this process and you have to commit by way of saying, this is something we're going to work on all the time. This is not an initiative where you get a blue ribbon commission set up, you do your thing, and then you move on to something else. This has to become part of your institution, of your organization. So it's regular meetings. It's it's it, it it's it's regular chances to bring people together. So the student achievement collaborative that I had mentioned be uh, for that's a standard organization. Well, that's not an office. 
that's that is made up of a group of professionals from different divisions and offices to get together but they are together every week and they're marching through the challenges that pop up and they're never there they are never saying okay our job's done great they're continuing to meet because things change we we started that student achievement collaborative for example before the pandemic there there were a lot of things that we worked on before the pandemic but oh boy now post covid there's a lot more things that we've learned about our students we've we've learned about higher ed we've learned about ed ed tech so i am a firm believer in the fact that if you want to implement a student centric model at your institution it's a model of continual improvement yes. it's a model that 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 just that doesn't stop so you build organizationally you build structures into your institution that can focus on that continuous improvement the other thing that that does is it builds a culture of student centricity. It's not a one-off and you are done and you're gonna move on to something else. Yeah. By building those permanent structures in place for that communication, for that work to happen, you're changing the culture within your institution. And before you know it, your institution becomes a culture of student centricity, a culture of focusing on the student self. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you always get it right. But what it does mean that culturally, as problems come up, you're going to address it and that you're getting buy-in from the professionals, from the faculty, from the administrators, you're getting buy-in from the members of the institution to tackle those really hairy and challenging problems on behalf of our students. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that strikes me through, through this conversation is this idea of student centricity not being something that's achievable. It's something you pursue. Like there's never going to be a tick box that says now we are now student centric. It's it's a continuous progression towards something. I think it's well, a really, and, really and interesting that, concept. Yeah, and that and that goes back to your earlier question because the reason why it has to be constant is that our students are changing. Right, society is changing. Higher ed needs to change along with it because we're in this very dynamic uh, higher education landscape, I believe that that's why you can't, I've, I've always said, members of my team laugh when I say this, but I do my organizational structures in pencil. Mm. I do that because organizational structures need to adapt, evolve, and change based on the needs at that time. Why? Because things change because our society change changes because higher education should change and adapt too. I I had mentioned the pandemic. The pandemic was a watershed moment for higher education and institutions to affect change, to receive change, to experience change. Some of it was thrust upon us. And then at a post-COVID world, now some, some of it we are choosing, but it all has one thing in common, and that's change. And a student-centric model has to change, has to evolve and, and adapt, because all of those variables are changing too. That's why it's a constant focus. Well, and you know, I think that's, it's a great segue, because I think one piece of the student centricity conversation really is, are there limits to student centricity? 
So, you know, one of the things we hear a lot about is whether a, a commitment to student centricity could possibly compromise academic rigor. Now, I, I have opinions about this, but I, I'm curious about your thoughts here. Do you think there is a limit on the application of a student-centric mindset model or culture? Sure. I am not sure that I could define an actual line in the sand and say the limit is here, mm -hmm. but I hear what you're saying and I agree. I think that how I would answer that is, is, is I would say, if there's a higher educational professional who wants to focus on student success uh, within their inst institution, that should not be done in a vacuum. That's sure. not done with one or two people sitting in an office and saying, okay, how can we help a student be successful? Why? Because again, going back to that student life cycle, there are so many different parts. There are so many different dimensions that make up a student, whether it's student mental health and well-being, whether it's student involvement, whether it's the type of, of uh, a student, whether it's a non-traditional, a traditional student, whether it's what they're bringing in. I talked at the beginning of the podcast about meeting students where they're at. It's what are they bringing in? Student centricity really is a student-centric model, but you can't solve that and you can't address that with one office. Mm -hmm. You can't address that, unfortunately, with one professional. So what that leads me to then say is you can't be a student-centric institution just within the world of student affairs. Right. Leave out the academic world. I believe you can't do that. You can't have a student-centric model without the academic enterprise. You can't have a student-centric model without the research enterprise. You can't have the student-centric model without the student involvement and student leadership enterprise. You need to be able to take into account for all of those things and be able to to engage on the academic side, engage with faculty and say, okay, faculty, we know and we appreciate you are busy, but you are the content experts. You are the instructors. Your boots on the ground in front of the students. We respect that and we respect the work that you are doing. But did you know that students are coming to you with these things? What can we do, faculty? We know you're concerned about their success, and we want we we know that you want your students to succeed in your class. There are some things that we can bring to you that we think can help you as a faculty member, as an instructor. No, it's just not a list of more things for you to do. These are things that we can help, that we can partner with you on in the academic side, on that we can partner with you on so that those students can be more successful. We have to be able to do that. It's not done in a vacuum. So again, I can't define where that line in the sand is, but I can say that if, if a student-centric focus does not embrace the different enterprises or the different missions or dimensions of an institution, institution, then it's truly not going to uh, uh, become part of the culture. It, it's not going to affect real change. So where the limit is, is if one unit within the institution says, I'm going to be all about student success and goes off and does their own thing without taking into account faculty, advisors, student support, uh, it, 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 without taking that into account, they're going to cross a line. And more than likely, they're going to tick some people off, too, and, and they're going to create challenges within their institution. In my mind, that's where the lines are. So mm. before you even reach, don't even cross those lines. Embrace the multidimensional 
aspects of your e-institution and realize that a student-centric model really involves all of those dimensions and you need to engage with them. Absolutely. Well, Robert, I, every time we chat, I, I wind up having to look at the clock and I realize that we're, we are coming up on time, unfortunately. So I will close us out the same way I close out every podcast, which is to uh, make our glorious pivot from being a higher ed conversation to a food conversation. So if someone's going to dinner in Logan, Utah, where do they need to go? Uh, it's a great question. First of all, we would welcome you to our beautiful Cache Valley here in Northern Utah, nestled in the Wasatch Mountain Range. It is beautiful here. We have a beautiful college town. Logan is a great place filled with a lot of food and restaurant opportunities. If I were to mention one though, there is a restaurant here that's been around here for decades. Its marketing pitch is it's where the locals eat. And <laughs> it's not just a marketing pitch. It is true. The restaurant is called Angie's. It's on Main Street. It is where the locals eat. Why? Because it's so good. And because it's been around for a long, long time. So come to Cash Valley, come to Logan, Main Street, Angie's. You will eat very, very well. Robert, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so uh, much. Dude, hey, let me close out as well by just congratulating you on uh, on your upcoming appointment uh, at Idaho. I, I wish you absolutely all the best in that new role. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for this opportunity. And thank you, Omri, for the great work that you are doing on behalf of higher ed and all that uh, you and the organization is advocating for. We need you. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus Engagement Platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner lifecycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.